Blog Talk Radio. My daddy served in the army. We lost his right eye, but he flew a flag out in our yard. Till the day that he died, he wanted my mother, my brother, my sister, and me to grow up and live happy in the land of the free. Now this nation that I love is falling under attack. A mighty sucker punch came flying in from somewhere in the back. Soon as we could see clearly through our big black eye, man, we lit up your world like the Fourth of July. Greetings and good day to you. Welcome to the Vigilant American, brought to you by the Mini Gun Club and Vanilla Firearms. My name is Jason Dyes. I think we have Range Master Nick Hart with us. Is that you, Nick? Yes, uh, can you hear me? Yeah, I can hear you much better. I can hear you much better now. Um, good to have you. Good to have you back on the show. I know you were sick for a little bit, hey. but I'm glad you're feeling better. And um, I'm so thank glad you. you're you're back 100. percent Well, thank you. I do feel better, and uh, uh, it was whatever that stuff that was going around that's getting everybody at uh, put me in the hospital. So. Oh my goodness. Well, I'm I'm glad you are. I'm glad you're feeling better. The name of the show today is. Keep Austin safe. Maybe you've seen those bumper stickers out there that they keep Austin weird. I used to always say that would keep it the heck out of New Braunfels, but um, with the eyes of the technology and entertainment and music world on uh, Austin, Texas, yesterday the President of the United States uh, made an appearance for the first time ever by the President up to South by Southwest. And, uh, of course, the uh, guys are up there uh, with the open carry, and as you can imagine, Nick, that just set people into a panic. Unnecessarily, but uh, uh, having the president up in Austin. Well, and then of course the guys out there with the open carry, uh, they were just doing you know a peaceful demonstration, and um, I, I I jumped on and looked at some stuff online, and I'm telling you, it is it is amazing to me. People talk about things that Donald Trump says that is nothing. To Compared to what I hear anti-gun people say about legal gun owners, there is no comparison. Now, did did he get arrested? Uh, did who get arrested? Okay. Well, no, I was no, just wondering. No, uh, you know, no, I'm not aware of anybody getting arrested. I just saw some stuff online yesterday that. You know, the open carry guys were up there, and uh, people were worried because, they, well, the president is here. We can't have this going on. It's not like they were in the same building or something like that. Um, but, uh, yeah, it was uh, just one of those things uh, that I thought was interesting. And so we'll talk about that a little bit. Um, I do want to remind y'all that, uh, again, if you haven't been out there, if you've been on the Facebook page, if you have uh, looked online, the best way to experience the McQueenie Gun Club is to go in person. Just go and see um, what I've tried to describe um, in words. It can't be described. Please go see it. Beautiful place to go shoot. I was out there two weeks ago with my friend, Colonel Eric Nealon, just got promoted to full colonel. Um, he was out there testing out his new Beretta 9mm, um, which he actually bought at the McQueenie Gun Club. He really liked it. Awesome. Awesome. 
So it was a lot of fun. And, of course, uh, don't forget to check out the Benelli line of uh, of shotguns like that. Lots of great stuff out there. Uh, and so we're going we're gonna to take a quick break, and we'll come back and get into it and see call right after to get those cleaned up here in just a second. Uh, it is Internet Radio, after all. I am using a new microphone today for when I'm doing the show this way, uh, but hopefully we'll have a better connection with Nick here in just a second. A um, couple quick things. Hey, it is spring break coming up. When I was out there shooting last time, um, I saw a gentleman uh, who was in the on the range with me, and uh, his kids could not have been more than 10 years old. And I just thought it was great that young people were learning to um, responsibly handle uh, firearms and guns. Their dad was right there with them. Uh, But these kids were very, very young. And I guess, Nick, you see a lot of that out there, don't you, people bringing in their younger kids? You know, uh, we do, and uh, it's great. Uh, We get to see, uh, I mean, kids as young as seven, eight years old, coming out with their parents, their their parents putting them on the stool, uh, bagging the 22 rim fire up on, on the top of the bags, uh, uh, you know, shooting out to 25 yards. Uh, dad's teaching them, mom's teaching them gun safety, and it's just a it's just a neat thing to see. The kids always have a smile on their face. They always they always <laughs> like what they're doing, and uh, it's always a good time. So, yeah, absolutely. Do you remember how old you were when you first fired a, a like not a BB gun, but like a real gun? Well, you know, my dad was a little bit of a different guy, and uh, um, he was uh, one of those. Uh, uh, yeah, he's a great guy. He loved me. I loved him. But he was he was a little bit brutish. Um, my dad uh, probably stood me up with a shotgun at about six or seven years old, and uh, oh, wow. and uh, of course he he helped me hold it up. But uh, it still it still kicked me like a mule in the shoulder, and. Uh, uh, he got a. He thought it was funny, but uh, you know. So I was, I was a little bit, I was a little bit gun shy, but you know, it didn't take me long. Probably eight, nine years old. You know, I, I got a, a twenty-two uh, rimfire uh, for Christmas, and just thought it was the best thing in the world. And then probably when I was twelve, thirteen years old, uh, there was an old sixteen gauge shotgun side by side that my grandfather had in Ithaca, and uh, you know, if it moved, there was a it was about 50 acres behind us uh, in the neighborhood that I lived in. And uh, my dad would just, you know, when I was 13, he'd say, you buy your own shotgun shells. And I did. And, uh, of course, uh, it didn't cause – there weren't much back then, buck 99, something like that for a box. But uh, if it moved a butterfly to some kind of some kind of uh, metal art, uh, if it moved in the, in the backwoods, I was shooting at it. So – well, I guarantee you there's a handful of people in Austin right now that are calling the Environmental Protection Agency on you for shooting those poor defenseless butterflies. Uh, but now that well, I can hear you a bit better, I, I just have to say, like I said earlier, what what really shook, uh, struck me was the tone in the comments and conversations 
about this. Like I said, it was not – apparently the guys have been going up there open carrying rifles since 2013. They put on just a little, you know, peaceful demonstration. I think they're at the state capitol. And, of course, this year with the new law, they can have a handgun holstered um, on their on their belt or on their, their shoulder – and it's just a level of, I mean, there's no other word for it. It's vulgar, it's profane, it's nasty. Um, it just amazes me that those of us who who try very, very hard, I think, to be very, very safe with our firearms, and in, in your case, it's your profession to responsibly teach other people to respect and use these things lawfully that we're portrayed as the nuts. Not the people that walk into a Christmas party and shoot people down or in a movie theater and shoot people down, but you and I are the gun nuts. Well, well, it's mostly, uh, you know, disinformation and people that are uninformed. And, and, and here, here, that's, therein lies the problem. Now, most of these people that consider that, uh, that don't like guns or whatever, they consider themselves elitist in some form or fashion. And, uh, and a lot of it has to do revolves around the educational institutions up there all the students on UT went cuckoo, or not all of them, but a lot of them, and uh, started, <laughs> a lot of them started carrying started carrying around uh, uh, vulgar items with them and things like that uh, on campus and and uh, to protest. Said if people are going to be able to carry guns, we're going to be able to carry uh, uh, sex toys on our yeah. person openly. Right. And, and so and so uh, here's here's what it boils down to. Here's what people are uninformed about. If you if you have a concealed handgun license in Texas, now listen. Before I say this, I need to presuppose something. I love police officers. I'm not being disparaging of them. They're everyday heroes, and I love them and support law enforcement. But if you carry totally a concealed agree. handgun license, you're you're the most law-abiding Texan that there is, because you've had a federal background check, you've had a state yep. background check. You've gone yep. through the training. You had to be vetted by your instructor. And then when you get that license, people become all the more responsible because they know that this carries a, <clears throat> an amount of weight and responsibility with it. And the st- statistics say that less than 0.02%, not 2%, but 0.02%, Ever commit a crime above a class B misdemeanor. And it and and the number of felonies is so if it's just so small that you can't even name it. And let me say this Texas peace officers, there's only about three hundred and thirty thousand of them. There are now, I believe, over one million people with license to carry in the state of Texas. Here are the numbers. If you uh if you are an LTC holder you're less likely to get arrested than than a cop. Cops are twice as likely in Texas to get arrested and are arrested at twice the rate as are LTC holders. They're the most law-abiding citizens in Texas, and people should feel nothing but safe around them. And let me tell you something about the level of training. Texas has the most stringent standards in the country when it comes to the the training for concealed carry. People are like, well, they're a cop. That supposes on police officers that they get all this training with a firearm. Well, they get some, but the the rookie coming out of the academy isn't, I mean, it's not all that much firearms training, and then they get in their patrol car, and they patrol around, and they go in and they shoot once a year, 50 rounds for qualification, exactly right. 
and they get back in their patrol car and they patrol around again. And, and not all these guys that are that wear badges are gun nuts. Not all of them go off on their off time and shoot guns and practice and do that. So the 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 level of training isn't something that you just got. I mean, unless you're a SWAT member or, or, or unless you you know part of a unit where uh, uh, they're doing that all the time, then uh, the level of training isn't all that high for your standard beat patrol police officer uh, with, with a firearm. And I've, I promise yeah. you, most of the LBC okay. carriers I know come in and shoot uh, irregularly more than most law enforcement officers do. And so, um, you know, the, um, the, the, you know, the uneducated uh, um, uh, conjecture out there that people spew about, oh, he's got a handgun on and, you know, he's, he's carrying openly. It's just, well, you know, I talked to somebody, a law enforcement officer on a state level, and you'll probably be able to infer who I'm talking about. They're a very famous uh, uh, state entity of, of law enforcement officer here in Texas. And I asked him, uh, what do you think about it? And he said, this is what I think. It's the law. The legislature passed go. it. The governor, the governor signed it. And open carry is now the law in the state of Texas. That's what I think about it. So, you know, my retort, my retort to anyone, I just, I don't engage them in rhetoric outside of this, uh, unless I'm teaching or outside of this radio show, someone approaches me and says something, I just say, it's the law. The law, exactly right. And to, and to Nick's point, um, this is from the Christian Science Monitor earlier this year, uh, speaking of elitists, um, Jeffrey Korn, a professor at the South Texas College of Law, said what a lot of police are worried about is not that there's going to be open carry, but there's going to be a deliberate effort to exercise that right in what I might characterize as an unusually zealous way. And there can be a lot of chaos in those circumstances. Well, that story was from January. I'm not aware of any chaos. I'm not aware of any um, unusually zealous. The majority of people I talk to, Nick, don't want to open carry in the first place. They still prefer to conceal carry their their firearm Absolutely. and didn't we hear didn't we hear all of the same nonsense way back when they passed concealed carry that it was going to be the wild all oh, that it's gotten to the point I hate to say this but the one thing and it, there's really no right way to say what I'm about to say but the last um, active shooter that we talked about on the show was the 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 guy up I think it was in Kansas that shot up the lawnmower parts plant and the one thing that I thought was refreshingly missing from the coverage was the call for more gun control. And what I would say to those nimble-minded knuckleheads up in Austin, if someone breaks into your workplace carrying a shotgun, or in this case a um, what the media always calls an assault-style rifle, an AR platform, and that's not what assault rifle stands for, by the way, um, if somebody walks in, to your office in your cubicle and they're methodically shooting people down that you know and have worked side by side for years, um, I will feel much better if Nick is in the cube next to me with his licensed and his handgun that he's trained to shoot to kill than some idiot with an adult toy they purchased at some theater metroplex in downtown San Antonio. And um, when you find yourself on the business end of an armed robbery the way I have, you're not going to be thinking about making a political point. 
you're going to be thinking about what do I have to do to get get out of this alive. You're you're exactly correct, Jason. I mean, you're you're you know, if your life's on the line, it's a it's one of those deals where unless you've ever been in the heat of the moment like that, it's a different deal altogether. And um, unfortunately, uh, there's a, you know, Americans as a whole live pretty sheltered lives. And uh, and a lot of these people that are spewing forth a lot of this rhetoric have never been in that situation before. So, no, totally agree with you. Uh, a couple other things, real quick. I, I heard you heard me talking about my friend Colonel Newland had that the beautiful Beretta nine millimeter. Um, we were out at the range. I got to send you. I, I hate to brag. I don't like to brag, but I got to send you my my target um, that I that I took down uh, that uh, that day at the range. I was shooting at one of those targets that had the cards on it, the deck of cards. And um, I was using my my thirty thirty carbine, and so but for my last ten shots, I really wanted to see how I was doing. So I pu- punched up the free silhouette target you can get um, there at the range and pushed it all the way down to the max. And said, okay, I'm going to put ten rounds down range and see see where I'm at. And I fired the first six, loaded the last four, and then kind of did. I tried to be what what was that show, Nick the 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 gunfighter or whatever at the beginning of the show where he uses the lever action real fast and, and shoots as quickly as he can. Oh, yeah, yeah. I did that on the last right. one. Yeah, um, the gunfighter or something. But uh, uh, the last four I shot pretty quickly, and so they're a little to the right. But I got, I'll send you the target. I might even post it on the episode page. The the first six were, were in the red um, oval, all of them in the red oval on that silhouette. And um, if you've not been to the range, 25 mil- meters is as far as you can go. And I wasn't using – I don't use any optics. I use purely – iron sights and um uh, but like I tell people all the time it was a relaxing fun afternoon I really really enjoyed going out there and shooting and uh, it's it's like you said uh Nick you and I have both in the mil- been in the military you know as well as I do and it's the same in law enforcement there are some people that come out of basic training in the military they never shoot a rifle again you know, there are accountants yeah. or dental techs or radar techs where they never ever – you and I were in the infantry. I mean, that was our job. We went to the range every week when I was in the service, and um, just fascinating. Uh, I had not fired uh, – I, I, he let me fire a few rounds out of that Beretta 9mm. When I was in the Army, we transferred from the 45, you know, the old M1911, right. 45 caliber, yeah. to the Beretta 9mm. And the guy at the range – this is just one of those – this is one thing that I love about doing the gun show – um, the guy on the range, I did not catch his name. Very, very nice gentleman. He was also a former Marine, Hispanic gentleman. Was there behind us, giving us some pointers and stuff. And uh, um, he was showing my friend his preference of shooting a handgun. I think he called it the trapezoid, where your feet are like shoulder width apart. Uh, are you talking about the, the? You talking about the short, stocky? Uh, guy, <laughs> well, I don't want to say anybody's shorter stocky, but yes, that guy. <laughs> but, uh, I mean, um, I don't know. I, I can't very, tell very if you're nice. talking about Josh or Josh or BJ, but um, but uh, they're both both very very good range officers, very good instructors. Yeah. Well, they, they, I forget what the term terminology is, but when you have both of your feet um, kind of like shoulder width apart, pointing in the same direction, I cannot shoot that. I have to shoot with one foot in front of the other, my left foot in front, even when I'm firing a handgun. I don't know why that is. For me, I just feel like there's more balance that way, and I tried it that way with uh, with my feet, um, you know, 
an equal width apart on the same line. Um, what are your thoughts on that? How do you, when people have not shot before, do you do you give them a preference um, on how they should stand? Well, there's, I mean, uh, I I do use that, and um, and uh, and uh, so, but it takes a while to get used to uh, that position. I, I'll, it was a it was a transition for us. Uh, from I guess you know my Marine Corps days uh, over to, but what happened was, and and this is the honest truth about most most of the stuff that filters down to the military first and then to law enforcement later. It takes a while the things to filter down. Mostly filter down from uh, sport shooting and uh, competition <laughs> shooting because those guys earn their living. Getting, uh, they have to get shots on target very, very quickly and very, very accurately. And so they come up with new methods all the time to be able to to shoot well and and speedily. And and uh, so, uh, you know, over the years things change and they filter down. And most of the time it filters down uh, into the military first, and then it'll drop down into into law enforcement. It takes the wheels t- take a while for uh, you know bureaucracies to to change their training manuals and things like that. But <clears throat> competition shooters will do whatever they have to do to win and earn that money. And so uh, that, uh, that style of shooting, uh, I use a hybrid of it. I will not, I will not put my foot back uh, behind the hmm. other one. Uh, like uh, there was a deputy in the, uh, it's called the Weaver stance. Uh, in the 50s, Jack Weaver, when they shot revolvers, and did the old cup and saucer and put one hand under the other. I do not use right. the, the Weaver style, but I will drop my foot back some four to six inches or something for a little bit of stability. But I want to be able to shoot like I'm standing there. I don't want to have to get in some strange position if you attack me in order to draw down on you, and because that right. takes time. And and so I want to be in the most stable platform I can that's natural. That if I immediately have to blade clothing away, come out from concealment, and press out on you, then uh, I want to be able to do that from from how I'm standing. So most of the time, I will I will I will draw and shoot from the stance that I normally stand in if I'm just standing there having an everyday conversation. Right, right. That's clever. Yeah. I, I just but again, I just love the you know he was just giving some great pointers and I and I tried it. I tried to stand with my my feet equal, and it just it just felt like trying to play a, 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 a guitar upside down. It just didn't it just didn't work for me. But everybody's different, and that's a great thing. Um, he didn't tell me I should do it that way. He didn't make me feel bad about sure. not using particular stance. It was just it was a fun conversation to have, and that's what I mean, folks. It's um, it's not all about preparing to to defend your family and your life. I find shooting very very relaxing. Um, I find it just, just a change of pace on a Sunday afternoon from watching CNN or, or sports on TV or something like that. And you heard, you heard Nick talking about professional shooters winning money. Hey, you don't have to be a professional. In fact, you need to be an amateur. Um, I encourage you to get over to the McQueeny Gun Club face, uh, Facebook page and website and look into that American sharpshooter competition. Um, there's some lucky amateur in this country that's going to win 50 grand, um, and all the information is there. And of course, the McQueenie Gun Club has been selected as a as a site for qualification. So that's pretty exciting. 
Yeah, and it's it's the American Marksman Challenge, and uh, it's uh, really neat. It's on the rimfire level right now, and so. But uh, when you go to regionals, they'll they'll up it to another caliber. Hey, I want to digress for a second because you were talking about um, the the Beretta, and uh, somebody came in with one of the tricked out Wilson Combat uh, uh, Berettas the other day, ninety two, and I, you know, uh, for a long time, uh, what's funny was the the gun got a little bit of a bad rap. Because uh, GIs didn't <clears throat> didn't like it, and you know theirs was messed up and had sixty thousand rounds put through it. But you know what? It's been it's been a little bit maligned. But I guarantee you, there's going to be explosion of popularity uh, uh, pretty soon about the about the Beretta. Here's it's the exact same thing that happened to the um, to the 1911. And <clears throat> people that are not old enough to remember, but back in the 80s. Uh, GIs hated the the the, uh, the nineteen eleven. I mean, now it's said with a great deal of reverence. I mean, it's you know John Moses Brown. If you say John Moses Browning, it's almost like you said some like biblical name or uh, you know. Term. And then if you, if you say nineteen eleven, people start to to bow. You know, and, and so right, yeah, the, the oh, yeah. venerated nineteen eleven. But you know, back in the eighties, it was considered a piece of junk. I mean, uh, uh, people didn't want it, malfunctioned, GIs made fun of it, they were ready for a new gun, you know, we've got to get rid of this thing, and of course now, you know, it's, a, it's the, you know, the, the standard. Well, um, right. I, I promise you the same thing's going to happen with the, the Beretta, um, and uh, mm-hmm. it'll, 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 make a, it'll make a resurgence and a comeback, because uh, it was a, a great service gun, it was a, a great service weapon for a long time, and it served uh, the Army and the Marines and uh, very, very well for a long time uh, in every climb and place that they could take it to. And um, the 9mm is a, a great round, and uh, yeah. that's why they, they keep going back to it, and a lot of law enforcement agencies, including the um, Texas DPS and uh, now the FBI, have gone back to 9mm. Yep, yep, I am. I, like I said, I was there. Um, I was in the Army at a tremendous transformative moment. I, I was there when they delivered the first Humvees that we had ever seen, um, the, the Kevlar helmets, um, the M16A2s, the M249 saw, uh, the, you know, the, the, uh, the Black Hawk replaced the Huey. I was just there when all of that was going on during the Reagan buildup, but I do remember getting the Beretta, and and I was like, this is the coolest, sickest, sexiest um, handgun I've ever. You know, I didn't own it, but I had it, and uh, and it was. I do remember the armorer telling us that we had to keep track of how many rounds we fired there because the barrels had to be replaced at a certain number, and all of us were like, who's going to keep track of that? I don't know if we ever do, <laughs> but um, right. I can tell you during the Gulf War, um, when I was on the security detail for the Commandant of the Prince Faisal uh, Air Base, I I had an M14 uh, rifle. I preferred the M14, um, and I I still shoulder-holstered the uh, Beretta 9mm, and then like an idiot, I had snuck into the country my own little 32 caliber wheel gun, (laughs) which I kept in my cargo pocket. It was sort of a last resort, Nick. I didn't even have any extra rounds for it. I had five bullets in the chamber, and that was it. You know, that was like if things get really bad. Last ditch effort, huh? Last ditch effort. Hey, folks, his name is Nick Hart. You need to go out and check um, check him out. You want some great pointers. Um, if, you, if you've listened to the show a few times, you've driven by the range a couple times, and you're still a little intimidated, 
um, go in there, um, schedule a time to meet with Nick or any of the great uh, firearms instructors. They're going to put you completely at ease. They're going to teach you how to shoot, but most importantly, they're going to teach you how to do it safely and how to take care of the firearm that you choose, whether it's a Beretta 9mm or a Smith & Wesson or anything. And, and you'll really, really be glad that you did. Hey, man, I'm so glad you're feeling better. It was so good to back, have you on the air. We gave you about 18 seconds worth of notice, so I couldn't even tell. Thank you, buddy. I, I, I enjoyed it. It was, it was good to be back with you. And uh, just to give a shout-out to, to everybody out there, and uh, see you at the range soon. Absolutely. Hey, folks, uh, my name is Jason Dias. His name is Nick Hart. You've been listening to The Vigilant American, the only local online radio show uh, here in New Braunfels, brought to you by the good folks at the McQueenie Gun Club and our pals at Benelli Firearms. If you are on spring break this week, hey, come on out to the range. All right? Your kids can only play so many video games. Bring them out to the range. You will have a great, great time, and you will be so glad you did. Until next we speak, we'll talk to you all next week. Take care. Bye. That's all, folks.